0: Hello, Denise, hi, Dean. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I have an itchy nose. Oh,
1: <laughs> there. It's that so time of year <laughs> that it is. This and everything gets really dry. Windows aren't open. Heat's on. Mm-hmm. I feel that. Yep, and it's snowing. Ooh, that's kind of exciting.
0: Yeah, actually it looks really pretty um it, it looks really pretty uh this time of year it, it can be really if it doesn't snow it can be really brown and ugly and mm-hmm. so with snow it's it's uh it's a little late you know christmas there was no so at christmas but now we have it so okay. so this month we're talking about um
1: understanding nutrition needs after 50. what mm-hmm. are
0: our topics for this for this segment Today, we are going to talk about superfoods, you know, those superheroes of nutrition, um, especially for those of us over 50. There's a lot of hullabaloo over, you know, superfoods, you know, every time you turn around, there's a new superfood. Uh, And again, it's something that can get a little overwhelming. You know, if you look online, you know, type in superfoods, one, you'll get a ton of advertisements for, you know, superfood pills. That's kind of defeats the purpose. Superfoods are the specific foods that give us extra kind of extra bang for our buck, extra nutrition. And up 50 and over, we really want to make sure that we're getting all of the nutrition that we can. Every bite counts. And so with superfoods, we are ensuring that, you know, we are getting uh, what we need and some. Um, And I think that's important. You know, I I sometimes I often say, you know, too much is too much. You can't you you know, you can't use so much. But I think when it comes to superfoods, you know, we eat them in small quantities. And so there's it's really important to to get a little bit of, you know, try a little bit of uh, all of the different superfoods rather than, you know, having a huge bowl of berries um, shit, you know, to have some berries, maybe with some nuts. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about some of them and what, what their specific, um, benefits are. Yeah. No, I was just going to ask you that. So what are, what are examples of superfoods and what do they do for us? hmm So berries, 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 blueberries, blackberries, um, raspberries, uh, strawberries, they have antioxidants that, um, basically combat free radicals, which slows down the uh, process of aging. They're Mm -hmm. rich in fiber, which help in digestion, which we (laughs) we know as we get older, we can have a little trouble with. Um, So the thing with free radicals is when you think about it, you know, the word radical, you know, radical is not necessarily good. You know, you you don't need these radicals floating around in your body. And free is usually good, but not in this case. No, not in this case. You know, being free, being free. Yes, we don't want these, you know, radical elements like wreaking havoc inside our body. Essentially, what the antioxidants do is they kind of grab them and out of like our body and you know, kind of metabolize them. So our bodies aren't trying to metabolize all of these um, these free radicals, which cause oxidation in our body, hmm. uh, aka aging. Think of it as uh, rust on a car. That is basically what aging is or uh, oxidation is. And mm-hmm. so, so kind of weird visual, but you're kind of, as you're aging, you're rusting from the inside out. Okay, weird visual, I get that. <laughs> but that's what we're trying to, that's why we're eating these uh, superfoods to, to combat that. So berries, 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 eat them as often as you can, because they're, you know, they're not just good for you. They're really tasty too. hmm and we
1: have really great options now that we probably didn't have five or 10 years ago because you can find one, you're not dependent upon the seasons. You can find wonderful berries in the freezer section. And and one thing I'd like to just talk on the berry subject is organic.
0: Absolutely. Berries, especially strawberries are, um, when you look at the, that's called the dirty dozen Um, these are the 12 foods that have the most pesticides, uh, in them time after time, uh, year after year, uh, strawberries rank in, uh, on that list and very high on that list. So, you know, there are certain things, you know, we've talked about organic before, um, can get expensive, but there are certain things that absolutely you should be buying organic and anything on this dirty dozen list. And you can type it into, um, uh, internet and find dirty dozen foods and it'll tell you you're right this is something that you absolutely need to buy uh, and eat organic only Mm -hmm. okay so so berries what's next uh leafy greens you know our favorite thing spinach uh i love spinach spinach kale swiss chard um kale is one of the things actually in my house we do not eat my husband doesn't like it and for me to just eat it on my own it just kind of I'm vandertour. the only one that eats it here. I stick it in my smoothie. That's, that's usually what I do. Um, but I, I like the texture of spinach more so. Mm-hmm. Um, so I choose, and that's, that's an actually a really good point. There's so many great foods and so many of these superfoods. If you don't like one, don't eat it. Pick something else because spinach and kale and Swiss chard and these amazing leafy greens and, you know, mustard greens, there's so many different things that, I didn't have growing up. We had um, iceberg lettuce. That was it. Right. Um,
1: iceberg lettuce
0: is not a leafy green. Can we just say that not. out loud? Yeah, it's got leaves, but it's not. It's leafy green. and
1: it's green, but it's not on the superfood
0: list. No, it is not. Um, so, why these foods are important? One, of course, the fiber that you mm-hmm. get from these, but they're high in um, certain vitamins, uh, A, C, I think K that sounds right. Um, And of course they have uh, other things that kind of like extra bang for your buck. This is, this is why we eat these, right? These are why they're superfoods. They have calcium and magnesium Mm -hmm. and essential for bone health, brain function, overall, you know, vitality, magnesium. If you're having trouble sleeping, take some Mm -hmm. and you take some magnesium before you go to bed. Oh my goodness gracious. If you find that, you know, you're, I just noticed that the last two days, Mm -hmm. And i didn't realize that i was
1: down and then i Mm -hmm. did took some and i'm like oh Mm -hmm. what a difference
0: Right. this is one of those you know magnesium is one of those that you know we may need to supplement um -hmm. you know for those of us who eat a lot of green veggies um maybe not but if you're an athlete if you're walking if you're hiking um you do need to um you you may need to Well, that's what surprised me because, you know,
1: I have, I have a whole handful of kale in my, my smoothie in the morning every day. I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, that covers that. Check that little box. And then, yeah, then I took some and And I'm like, oh, that was two nights of really,
0: I was Mm -hmm. still asleep the same amount of time, but it was more restful. Yeah. Right. And 10 years ago, that might've been enough for you. Just that one smoothie. Right. You know, as- as I said, you know, our bodies are constantly changing. So we always have to kind of pay attention to what our bodies are doing, not just doing how they're feeling and then uh, make changes as needed. Okay, next one, next one. This one is also good for brain health. Omega-3 rich fatty fish. And I I meant to bring the book. Uh, I follow, well, one of my certifications is with Dr. Sears uh, Wellness Institute. I love Dr. Sears. He talks about things in a way that is um, kind of layman's terms. And when it comes to brain health, fatty fish, salmon specifically, he talks about because, you know, mackerel and sardines are also those fatty fish. But I don't know about you if you've ever had mackerel and sardines. They're they're. Let me just say they're not my favorite. Like, I'm never going to eat them ever. But I'll eat a lot of salmon. There are obviously other fish that have, um, you know, that are that are that are really good for you. But specifically, salmon um, and omega three. There is a the the element that it's not an element. Whatever makes um, the salmon pink, it's called astaxanthin. That is actually the additional uh, bang for your buck when it comes mm. to eating salmon. Um, and in the book, again, it's called um, "The Omega Effect" by Dr. Sears. He talks about this astaxanthin and its importance of uh, in brain health and and how that one piece we don't talk about. We talk about om- omega 3s but this additional piece that's in salmon uh, specifically mm. because of that red color. Um, other other fish char um, is is uh, has that that pinky fleshy color as well. Uh, so something to really pay attention to because again, brain health, uh, brain function also good for heart health. Um, and because it's oily fish, it helps to um, kind of lubricate our 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 creaky joints. And <laughs> so great. like the tin man right. <laughs> so it's really good you for envision effort.
1: a tin man walking around with a salmon uh, squirting on his knees, right? So <laughs> uh, so if people don't have fish in their diet, what how where are we getting our omega 3s from
0: this is where um there this really is where um supplementation is important mm-hmm. and there's there's different types of supplementation there's plant based uh, supplementation and obviously the fish based supplementation in this case if you're not eating fish i really believe that the um the fish based um uh omega 3 is really important Mm -hmm. Because you're not, you know, it's just going to give you the extra bang for your buck. Mm -hmm. What else? What else? So two last things that I want to talk about. Well, I guess (laughs) there's two different topics. nuts and seeds. Almonds, walnuts, uh, flaxseed, chia seed. Um, I go through these like crazy in my house. They're full of fiber, healthy fats, even some protein that help us to control like blood sugar levels uh, which is really important especially as we get older you know we know that as we get older um the risk of um type 2 diabetes Mm -hmm. uh, it just kind of happens my my mother-in-law um when she was in her 70s she was you know she was a a woman who was in good shape she was thin um but she was type 2 diabetic Mm. and you know family history So it's really important to, to eat those foods that are going to combat, you know, can control our blood sugar levels. Um, What I love about nuts too, is, you know, there's, there's some protein in there. They taste good. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're looking for a little bit of a crunch, like, you know, a salad, you know, even, you know, with leafy greens, it's it's not very crunchy. You know, if you add some carrots and certain things, but if you're looking for a crunch during the day, just, you know, a, a handful of nuts just, you know, fills that, um, that desire
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then the last thing I want to quickly mention is um spices um specifically turmeric and ginger um cinnamon i put cinnamon it seems like on everything nowadays <laughs> again and why they are anti-inflammatory or at least they have anti-inflammatory properties properties we will find there is some research there's not a ton of research um but when people one of the things that we we hear time and again, when people started using more spices, more of these things, their inflammation went down, may not be a, you know, a complete double blind study on mm-hmm. it. But when people say, you know, they feel better and, you know, their numbers are changing, uh, then I'm going to say, yes, let's add these to our diet because they can only help. They can never really hurt.
1: Yeah. And so, so let's sum this up. Superfoods, superfoods, superfoods,
0: (laughs) superfoods, superfoods. those superheroes of nutrition. Number one, um, berries go, go berry crazy. Um, leafy greens. Those are absolutely essential in your diet. If you're not eating your spinach and your kale, go out today and get some omega-3 fatty fishes, specifically salmon. Yes, there is mackerel and sardines, but specifically salmon (laughs) and supplement if if necessary. Nuts and seeds go nutty for these nuts and seeds, you know, blood sugar levels. Um, And truly, it helps to keep them stable throughout the day, not just like the hour after you eat them. They actually help you keep your blood sugar stable and um, your energy level uh, up during the day. And then finally was your spices, um, turmeric, cinnamon, garlic, and ginger. Ginger. <laughs> I couldn't think of the last one. Uh, ginger. all of these, all of these are are important because they have those anti-inflammatory properties. Great. Great information. Great information. Thank you, Denise. You're welcome. Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm Denise Stegall. I am the Healthy Lifestyle Coach or the Healthy Living Liaison uh, and Curator curator at LivingHealthyList.com. And I'm really excited today about my recent conversation with my friend, Jean Gallagher. Jean is a financial advisor with Seaside Solutions and the amazing host of the podcast, Discover Rising Tides, How the Outside Makes the Inside Better. We had an in-depth conversation on the topic of, get this, contentment, and why that is actually a bad thing for you. Watch more and subscribe to Discover Rising Tides at discoverrisingtides.com. I'll see you there.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Jean Gallagher, financial advisor and founder of my financial advising business, Seaside Solutions, and founder of Discover Rising Tides. Welcome to Show 31. Discover Rising Tides, How the Outside Makes the Inside Better, where we explore the importance of the outdoors and maintaining life balance. Through this series, we will be talking to women business owners to understand their journey. And we'll also be hearing from Lynn Schusser-Williams, as always. She's author and a coach in her segment, Rising Up. But first, today I'm excited to introduce Deb Matlock. Hi, Deb.
2: Hello, thanks for having me.
1: Oh, I'm so excited for this. And so uh, just a quick background. There's nothing quick about your background because there's so much to it. So I'm just going to give a short version and then we'll fill in all the blanks as we go. Um, Deb grew up in Colorado and is deeply committed to nurturing the connection between people, animals, earth, and spirit. She spent 25 years working on a professional environmental and humane educator and naturalist. She's also a nature-based spiritual life coach and companion. Deb offers nature-based spiritual guidance work Animal communication, nature connection, practitioner training, and workshops through her business Wild Rhythms.
2: So welcome. Thank you. I'm looking forward to our conversation. We we did. We had a great time I um, when we were just learning
1: learning about each other the other day. So I'm excited for this. So um, give us an idea about your business, but also what I want to dive into today is to talk about your business, but also the journey of where you started and how it's changed for you to bring you to where you are today. So let's start with that. Um, how? Where did
2: you start in this journey? And take us with you. Awesome. Um, wow, what a great question. You know, I started my business in two thousand three, which I really can't believe is almost two decades ago at this point. And I. I had this idea that I, I was working as an environmental educator and a naturalist and I was working with um, state parks and city municipalities and nonprofits. And I would, I love that work. I still do. And I also kept finding myself up against this edge of, but I want to do some creative work that might not necessarily align with the missions mm-hmm. of each of the organizations I was working with. And in a lot of cases for me, that meant wanting to explore people's <clears throat> spiritual connection to to place, how people find a sense of sacred in the natural world you know, integration of the more than human voice into, into life. Some of those things don't work so well when you're working for a government municipality or something like that, you know? So I created wild rhythms as a container and my entire original business plan was, I just need a container Mm -hmm. where I can put creative work and I can have a place to offer it where the structure's there. You know, I have the insurance, I have the framework, I've got, you know, bookkeeping set up, I've got structure there and out of the way so that I can just say, Ooh, I have this idea. And now I want to run this workshop that we're going to do this and this and this and that. And, you know, I can just put it there. And so that's where it started. I, you know, I, I was back long enough ago that here in Colorado, I actually had to go into an actual physical office <laughs> to register the name of the business. And I had a few names floating around and it just wild rhythms just kept feeling like the right name. And I couldn't have even explained to you at the time why
0: mm-hmm. it makes
2: a lot more sense now, but I just went with it because it felt right. And I walked into the office, filled out the form. <laughs> there was no internet form back then. Um, and there, And I walked out and I thought, I have no idea what I just did, but I have this business now. Isn't, so here isn't we that go. interesting?
1: So it, it really resonates for where you are today. Some foresight that you didn't know you
2: had. <laughs> Thank goodness, because, you know, it's, it's like, I love it still. And it's been so many things in these 19 years. It started out as, like I said, the container, which led right into being an arts-based environmental education consulting training program thing. And then with my life, as it's changed and morphed, and as I've grown and explored my own connection to wild nature, it's kind of grown with me. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, it's actually, I think, pulled me along. Yeah, sometimes I feel like I'm one step behind going, hey, wait, 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 hold on a second. (laughs) Can I have a say in this?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, So it's
2: really wild rhythms has made you grow too. Oh, I think, yeah. And I have to say, now as I reflect on it, I think it was one of the most profound experiences personally that I've had in terms of personal growth and professional growth. But, you know, it's made me meet all of my edges, it's made me confront all of my vulnerabilities and fears. I still, have all that. I'm meeting edges Mm -hmm. all the time programs and every, every new idea, every new client, you know, there's, there's new potentials there. Um, you know, and without anybody telling me what I needed to do on my work plan on any given day in regards to wild rhythms, sometimes Mm -hmm. that's good. Sometimes it's not good. Sometimes that's a real challenge. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's like, can someone just tell me what I should do, please? (laughs) 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 <laughs> I think that we all
1: feel that way quite often and that's the that's the challenge of being an entrepreneur right that there isn't somebody to tell you what to do and and you have to listen to your own intuition but also go against your you know overcome your fears and overcome those edges that you're not totally comfortable with
2: yeah and and I I would never have guessed if you'd asked me in 2003 you know does starting a business and and running that take courage and the willingness to be vulnerable the willingness to epically quote unquote fail Mm -hmm. you know i don't really believe in failure because everything that hasn't worked has been really good learning but there have been some things that i put a lot of energy into and they just didn't go Mm -hmm. and have to to not take that in and make it personal
0: and instead
2: just to say okay let me learn about what i offered how i described it what my audience is wanting let me take a breath um Mm -hmm. let me go outside and and walk the dogs (laughs) (laughs)
1: do you think that the things that didn't go or didn't go as planned really helped
2: you build what does work oh my gosh a hundred percent a hundred percent you know it helped me figure out what to um build upon what to let Mm -hmm. go of you know a big thing that it it did was it helped me realize that a business is a co-creative process I think Mm with well in my case it's with the it's myself the wild natural world and also my the people my clients and I think when I started out I didn't understand that it was okay to to kind of create with your clients Mm. and I thought I was supposed to have all the answers and just know what to offer and put these amazing workshops and programs out there and and what I've I've learned over the years is I actually really really want and need my client feedback I want to hear from them. You know, I, I love that. I, I think every program I run, I I'm, I always have a little survey. and like, please, 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 please. I just need a few minutes. I read every word, you know, because it's like I can only go so far with, with what's in my mind and my own intuition, what I feel like is coming through me, which I think part of business can be very spiritual that way. Mm-hmm. But also, I want to meet people where they are and what they're wanting. Mm-hmm. And I put out some ideas over the years that I look back now, I'm like, well, no wonder nobody... <laughs> up, I don't even know what I was talking about. Like, why was I thinking anybody else was going to know what I was talking about? <laughs>
1: There's that vulnerable piece, right? Yeah, uh, allowing it to happen, but then, but then shift accordingly. Exactly. So shift you worked for the the city and the state park system. And how long? How long have you did you do that, or did you? When did you make a transition to be completely on your own?
2: Yeah, I would say. It's been a little bit of a back and forth. Um, Wild Rhythms was always there, um, varying levels of engagement, whether it was very part-time or very full-time. I would say it's been probably the last five or, eh, let's say maybe seven years Mm -hmm. that this has been kind of front and center. What was was that transition like?
1: I know that a lot of people are either working for a corporation or, you know, whether it's a park system or a, a corporation, they're still working in a structure of business and they're wanting to go off on their own and, or
2: wanting to transition. And what was the transition like for you? You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. It was rough you know i know i did it too <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's not like, pretty <laughs> it's, it's it was very messy and i i got as prepared as i could but there i knew there was i felt like my life was becoming a bottleneck and because i had other obligations and also wild rhythms wild rhythms was my thing it was mm-hmm. always always getting the back seat because i had other organizations or people that were paying and expecting from me And so there was a lot of work that needed a lot of attention. And so when I made that shift, the first thing I I did was spend several months really digging in and creating and building and and refining my systems, you know, on the inside of my business and all these things that just needed my time. But, you know, it didn't generate a ton of income right then,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: you know, and I still, I still ask myself the question, you know, I'm very open to the idea that, um, I don't ever want this business to be something that I have to, uh, force,
0: mm-hmm. you
2: know, like I want to do work that I love and I'm really inspired about. And, you know, I'm very open to the possibility. I may decide to bring in some additional work at some point, you know, so that I can maybe do just a certain amount of this or that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so that was the other thing I, 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 I'm always trying to guard against is I don't want to lose my inspiration for wild rhythms because I put too much pressure on it,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know? So that's a, it's always a dance I'm finding.
1: And and that's that's really a great outlook too, because as we get in the groove of a business or in the trenches of the business, which is even harder to be in, it, it's easy to lose sight of why you're there. And it becomes the drudgery of doing it every day. And then you're, like you said, you're losing that inspiration. So it's, it is important to remind yourself of why, 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 Wild Rhythms is important, not to you, but to others.
2: Yeah. And I like how you're saying that, you know, why is our, why are businesses important to others as well? You know, why, mm-hmm. I mean, I think business really, honestly, in one of its highest forms can be this gift. It's, it can be a service. It can be, you know, all the beautiful things we often assign to nonprofits. You know, I think business, you know, the world runs on businesses and I think conscious businesses that are very deliberate um, can make massive change. Mm. And I know as a solo printer that requires me to be inspired and not burned out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Easier said than done sometimes. Easier said than done. That's right. <laughs>
1: uh, so, so tell us, what is Wild Rhythms today?
2: Today, Wild Rhythms is a business that focuses on working with largely practitioners who are interested in weaving their own uh wild connections to nature to their sense of um sacred nature into the work that they're offering mm-hmm. and so i work with people one on one also some training programs and so i'm talking about you know like i've got clients who are life coaches forest forest bathing guides um therapists educators you know i had a hospice nurse as a client you know people mm-hmm. who want to weave their their love of wild nature and their sense of, of their own spiritual selves in wild nature into unique offerings for their clients. And what I really love to do is help people like weave their passions and say, okay, what's this really cool, unique thing that isn't happening in the world yet? You know, cause the world needs, I think here's my big red flag, you know, opinion coming out. The world needs as much creative nature connection work as we can, as we can put out there and all the different flavors that people are going to bring to the table. You know, that I have clients with ideas that I would never personally have thought of you know but it's so cool I, I one client is a, a quilter a seamstress person and her her vision is beautiful you know and I think we need all those we need all that work to live on mm. this earth right now and so that's do really you, yeah no what do you think that so the
1: nature connection piece what does that do for us let's talk about that for a little bit and and how
2: does the spiritual piece weave into that yeah, I think to talk about nature connection, the first thing we have to sort of talk about is what even is nature connection? And does mm. it exist? You know, there there are certain languages that don't even have a separate word for like the human nature, you know, and so it's hard. And in, in, in English, I, I find when I write and talk and speak about it, it's like, my words almost create more of, you know, as much of a division as we're trying to not have, you know, mm-hmm. humans in nature or let's connect with nature. It's like we're separate and there it is. You know, so I think the first thing that's an important conversation is what is nature connection? You know, if we see ourselves mm-hmm. as part of nature and every bite of food and every sip of water and every breath of air as something that intimately connects us every day with nature, um, it, it can be nature connection can explode in our minds. And so for everybody to say, what does it mean to me? You know, for somebody, it might mean trail running up a wilderness trail. For somebody else, it might mean, you know, being a gourmet chef in their kitchen, you know, really Mm -hmm. being conscious about all the beautiful food that they're preparing. You know, I think it's, um, but I think the conscious awareness of nature connection, however we define it, it helps center us. It helps us locate ourselves as beings on this earth, as part of this vast and amazing web of life. You know, not people that shouldn't be here, not people that are in charge of everything and at the top of the pyramid, but people Mm -hmm. that are in it with all the other beings. And so to me, at at its core, when we look at it that way, um, I think it can can expand our worldview of ourselves, our role Mm -hmm. that we play, our sense of, I mean, you know, ecological identity is a term that it kind of describes that. And it it can, I think, bring with it inspiring um, options for us, sense of responsibility Mm-hmm. you know i think it can really inform our way of being
1: so when you're taught, you're working with practitioners or in the conversations with whatever level of the people that you're working at do you ever um do you ever find that people don't understand what their connection is or how do how do people that have maybe don't have an exposure to the outdoors or don't have an exposure to nature
2: how do they learn how important that is Oh, gosh, yes. I, I would say that I, I encounter that a lot, and I have. Which surprises me, right? So in my
1: own little bubble, how do you not know how do you not know that? But I know that, and I'm always amazed, or I, maybe I'm just really naive in, in realizing that there's people that don't have never been to a body of water or spend zero time outside.
2: Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's, it's interesting because in the way that I would define nature connection, Mm -hmm. it's everywhere all the time, indoors and outdoors. There's wilder nature outside. There's, you know, there's a lot of variations of that, but I mean, you could be standing in an elevator in a high rise in a big city, you know, and there's going to be wood paneling or carpeting on the ground or, or plastic buttons that are, are, you know, ancient life forms. I mean, you know, like if we, if we put the perspective there, Mm-hmm. I think it's everywhere, but I think when we say nature connections, generally speaking, people think, oh, well, I don't live anywhere near a national forest, or I don't live by the ocean, or all of that, and so I think if if we start to say, okay, but but wait a minute, you know, even if you go from an air-conditioned car into a parking garage into an office building, there's still air flowing, you're still going to feel a temperature change when you're in that garage versus when you get inside the building, there's still going to be all of these ways that we can aware become aware of our connection to nature. Mm -hmm. You know, we're still going to know, like here in Colorado, people are still going to watch the weather. And if it's a snowstorm, they're probably going to leave earlier. Even if they're going to curse the snowstorm and, and, you know, be in a grouchy mood all day, they're still, there's, that's some nature connection. there. like, oh, I got to leave half an hour earlier because the roads are going to be bad. You know? So I think it's like, it starts with saying to somebody, you know, what does nature mean to you? And then this is the important part too, is like, what is, what is your heart asking for you around this? You know, a lot of people I've met who don't think about themselves as having a nature connection also have like a yearning for it, mm. you know, so it's do like you a- have to
1: help them identify what that yearning is. So it's there, but maybe do they not have a, a connection, a
2: definition of their yearning or do they have a, a little idea that that's really what it is? You know, I've seen both. I've, I've seen some people say, I have I have no connection to nature and I just wish I did, mm-hmm. you know, and here's this person who walks their dog every morning and lives, you know, like, well, let's talk about all the connections that you do have, you know, mm-hmm. but then I've also seen people who who are out all the time and it's not part of their yearning. For them, it's like, I'm going out to go running. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even consider the part that it's like I'm running through a beautiful trail system or a beautiful park. You know, so I mean, this is a journey that I think everybody has to kind of take for themselves of like, what is it that nature means to them? What is it that their sense of being connected to it means? Because I think there's a lot of benefits for ourselves and for the world around us. But of course, if somebody doesn't care, you know, you can't really, you know, I, I would look at it and say, everybody's got an ecological self for all nature beings. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you are conscious about it or not, because we all have to have air water, you know, like it's it just is It's a it's a biological fact. But there's a difference between that and the emotional cognitive awareness and, then and bringing to virtual... awareness to them for them to
1: bring awareness to what they're they're taking in and they might just not realize
2: yeah mm-hmm. and i i would say in my career more people that i've encountered don't realize it mm-hmm. than the people who i've encountered who don't care yeah a I very small too. number of people i've encountered are like i don't really care i mean tiny numbers compared to the people who are like oh my gosh I didn't think about eating oatmeal as part of my nature connection. You know? <laughs> and so how does the spirit, spirituality piece come into play too? I think for a lot of, a lot of people and myself included, you know, when we see ourselves as part of this web of life, this amazing, vast, diverse web of life that quite frankly is full of more mysteries than, than, than you know, we know a little bit, we don't know a lot. I think it was Einstein who said something to the effect of, you know, we only know one half of 1% of what nature has chosen to reveal to us. I may have just butchered that a little bit, but something like that, you know, so I think when we, when we focus on our own nature connection and we value it's a value in our life and we, we create space for the awareness and appreciation and, and activity of it, 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 it like helps us to see ourselves. It helps us to dance with those eternal spiritual mysteries like life and death and meaning i mean you know it's really hard like here in colorado you know, you go on a trail for a hike you're gonna hit life and death there will be a body of a chipmunk or a mouse or a part of a rabbit that somebody else predated you know there's gonna be um evidence of all of these universal things that regardless of our spiritual beliefs regardless of our cultures these are there's universals here about this mystery of being on this planet and i think that nature uh, when we're conscious about our role in it and our connection to it, it it allows us to see that in a way that it keeps us from from pretending that it's not the truth. That we are living in this, mm. we're living in a mystery, and mm. we our our species has tried to answer that mystery for years. We're never going to fully answer it. We can only guess. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well,
1: that's, that's, yeah, that's interesting. uh, An interesting way to look at that as well and the evolution of everything that we see around us also. Yeah. And so when you're, when you're either dealing one-on-one or in a group setting, what, what is the, is it, well, is there a typical topic to start with? Are there stages of education or stages of exposure that you um that you're giving to people or how does that work
2: you know i would definitely say there's not a typical place it kind of depends Mm -hmm. on the person or the audience so like if i was doing a program for like a general public audience
0: Mm
2: -hmm. um like when i've done wellness programs for businesses where it wasn't like the 15 people there personally signed up and said "Ooh, i want to go do this sense of place nature workshop you know they got this opportunity basically forced on them from mm-hmm. you know um that's a different audience than when i have got people who've self-selected into a really intensive retreat mm-hmm. about deepening your sacred connection to nature and those people you know so it kind of depends on that but the other piece is at the core of it the part that is i would say the same mm-hmm. that i'm not the one teaching anything you know i feel like my role is 100% facilitation i just create the space and the container and then i need to get out of the way because it's the person in the wild earth it's the person in the bird in the tree it's the flower growing it's the stream it's whatever is happening you know that's the relationship that's where the transformation that's where any quote unquote teaching
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know so i kind of feel like i'm just there as the human bobblehead for the earth <laughs> you know I, i'm the one who said here's the sign up form and here's the directions to the you know the where we're going to park and um and then to create some structure to provide some, uh, you know, opportunities for exploration. The one thing I've seen a lot, especially with, with, um, you know, more generalized programming is people are like, I want, I want to be out here and do this. I have no idea where to start.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't want to just walk up the trail. So what do I do? So giving little ideas for things,
0: mm-hmm.
2: but then knowing that at the end of the day, my job is to get out of the way. Mm-hmm because I don't know what's happening in their heart and soul and with the earth, what, what's going on between them. That's, you know,
1: what kind of trans- transformations or what kind of
2: changes? And do you see while people are working through the programs? You know, I, again, so, so many, depending on where somebody is coming in and what their goals are, you know, mm-hmm. I've, I've seen people like, let's say it's a practitioner who's coming in wants to develop more of their own practice and then weave it into their work with clients. You know, it's really fun to see how they're experiencing things and and how they're also simultaneously finding inspiration like, oh, you know, I've got this, I've got these clients and we do this monthly gathering and I'm going to you know, do this thing. Um, I've also seen, well, here's a good story. I was leading a hike. This was, you know, very much a a very general mainstream public program. It was on the natural history of black bears, just their lifestyle. Mm. And I turn around at one point and this woman is tears running down her face. And I thought, oh, my gosh, did she get stung by a bee? What happened? You know, I'm like, oh, is we have an emergency here. And so, I, I, of course, I checked in with her. And she said, I just didn't know I had so much in common with another species. And I could feel from her, like, this was a big worldview shift moment. And she did stay after the hike. And we talked a little bit more. And, I mean, honestly, I think for her, that was a, a big personal identity shift. Mm. You know, and I, 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 that, those are the moments that to me, I feel like, I don't know where she is in the world today. This was 20 years ago or what she's done with it. But if, if there's any way to be a part of it, of her, you know, somebody's appreciation, seeing themselves in another animal, another species, mm-hmm. you know, finding our commonality. I mean, to me, that's like the stuff that could change the world. If we wow. see ourselves in other life, we are going to have to behave as if the other life matters as much as we do. And And if she wasn't exposed to that, she would never know. She would never know. Exactly. Which is why I think accessibility, you know, creating really good, solid programs with a lot of integrity, Mm -hmm. being very aware as like when I work with practitioners, one thing that we have to, you know, we talk a lot about is, is how to create diverse and, you know, programs that are accessible. You know, we've, Mm -hmm. we've got to make sure that this work is reaching people in all different ways and avenues and walks of life. The diversification is really really important
1: because yeah. it's um it's unfortunate that that the outdoors isn't as diverse as you would expect it to be or it's not a reflection of the diversity in the outdoors so the people well, that exactly are it. going outdoors <clears throat> it's definitely not a reflection
2: and so what so, do we need to do to do yeah. how do, how does that change well, I think there's a lot of ways for, for this to change, and I think we're talking about a, a deep cultural and, in some cases, institutionalized um, challenge, you know, that, that we've got to work at from a lot of angles. You know, it's like a, you know, sociologically or ecologically, they call them wicked wicked problems, and there's so many influences that create a challenge. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I know that I've seen and that I, I personally um, think is an important part of this t- conversation is Going back to the definition of nature connection Mm -hmm. and knowing that everybody's going to have their own experience. They're going to bring their own personal stories, family stories, you know, ancestral stories. And so for, for one person, for example, I actually saw this happen at a conference. There was a service learning field trip to go out and to work on a local farm. And for some people that was really fun and novel and let's go do this for another person who, uh, was raised in the deep South and her ancestors, her as recent as her grandparents were forced into, you know, a slave situation, servitude Mm. on farms. She was like, that, that doesn't feel good to me at all. And as a facilitator, we have to be careful and understand that this is where that personal definition and understanding of what nature means to each of us, what it means to connect and what, what would actually be nourishing and helpful for us as individuals, Mm -hmm. you know, because for her, there were other ways she was going to have a a better experience, Mm -hmm. you know, and what was really, I was grateful to her for sharing that with all of us because I was not aware of of what she was going through. I was in the same little group that she was in heading off to the farm for the field trip. Mm
0: -hmm. I didn't
2: know what she was dealing with. I was worried about, do I have enough water in my backpack? Right. My, my experience was different. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's one of the ways is is being sensitive to the fact that it does nature connection, sacred nature connection does not mean one thing and nobody can define it for anybody else. Mm.
1: And giving people the space to express how
2: they're receiving or what they need. Yeah. And what would actually be inspiring and exciting to them? You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, like, this particular person was really a, she was an entomology uh, entomologist and you know she lit up when we you know like started talking so she just decided she would go to the farm and, and look at the butterflies and insects and you know make it something for herself but she still had to do that work for herself mm. you know that was something it was a nature connection practice you know professional conference so she had that skill set. The practitioner in me said, yeah, but what if she didn't have that skill set? What's my response? How do I create that opportunity for somebody?
1: And that's, that can be a challenge too. Yes. And, but, making, but I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> if more people are creating a more inclusive environment,
2: that's going to help too. Yeah. And that's where I think if, if more people say, okay, I have this passion. I have this idea. I have these experiences. Mm-hmm. And I want to create something out of this that I can offer. Mm-hmm. You know, then by nature of the very um, effort of that, it's going to become more diverse and inclusive. It's not just going to be one type of programming offered over and over again. And every, no matter where you are in the world, if you go to this program, it's going to look this way. That's not serving diversity. That's not serving inclusion the way that innovation would. I don't think. Yeah. So if
1: we're offering nature to as many people as we can, that puts more people into nature. So let's talk about a little bit about responsibility, because you mentioned it before, and I think it's an incredibly important topic, is to understand what is our responsibility to support nature. If nature is going to support us, how are we going to support her?
2: Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. And I know we kind of dove down this when we were meeting before the podcast. I think this is a really important piece that whether we're personally going out Mm-hmm. Or we're working with clients, or we're attending a program. Is we need to say what's the reciprocity here? And mm-hmm. I think the answer to that can be as varied as there are people. Certainly as there are places. I think it's at first and foremost it's an awareness and a commitment to finding a way to reciprocate. Mm-hmm. You know, so for example, if if somebody's always um, they live in a neighborhood and they've got a trail and they walk their dog on that trail every day, you know and it's just part of their life maybe a reciprocation could be to set up a trail cleanup day or to go volunteer when one is set up by the organization who runs the trail or something like that you know if it's a business and people are are using private land or something you know create a part of the annual business calendar to say here's our volunteer days to go work and give back to the land you know if it's um let's say somebody like, let's maybe this woman who had the experience on the black bear hike that I mentioned, Mm -hmm. maybe a reciprocation there could be to find a conservation organization that supports bears and bear habitat and become a member, you know, Mm -hmm. educate herself more about that. I mean, I think the, the, the actions can be small, they can be large Mm -hmm. they can be informal. They can be formal, you know, like I've certainly led programs where I was out of my own area, you know, like a guest in another state, and I wasn't going to be back there. In those cases, I would encourage people to dig within and say, what would be reciprocal that you could do here, Mm. especially a conference, for example, where everybody's from someplace else, you know, versus the programs that I might do on a regular basis around where I live, you know, my engagement reciprocity could be different. But I think we need to ask, you know, and it doesn't have to even be direct. Like I, I know one woman who just decided to turn part of her yard into a pollinator garden and that's her give back for all that she's gotten from from the natural world generally speaking throughout her life so it wasn't like she cleaned up trash in one trailhead she just said hey i've got this little bit of land here that doesn't need to be grass mm-hmm. i'm going to make it this thing you know so i think it's just it, it starts with the awareness and the the understanding that we are living in this collaborative beautiful synergy with life around us and we have a lot of power in that place we don't have to be walking around feeling disempowered and depressed all the time because the climate, you know, these are hard issues we're dealing with and mm. they're real. And I'm not trying to make light of those by saying one little action is going to change it, but there's seven and a half billion people. If you start, if you start exponentially increasing those actions, then if half of those people did one little thing, it will change it. Exactly. We have a lot we can do. Mm. Yeah.
1: And so how do you think, so this, This is one thing that I that I'm challenged with personally and one of the things that makes me makes me a little frustrated too so the socials (laughs) social media right and the pressure on social media the pressure that social media puts on us but also the pressure that social media puts on on nature so one example is the ridiculous so there's an opinion so I'll take the opinions out so (laughs) (laughs) the TikTok right and so TikTok comes out here some people put some really great place on TikTok and then all of a sudden 900 million thousand people show up at this one place that can't support that that's happened in our area a bunch of times yeah and so there's that one piece that we that's that the social media brings into play but I think that the other piece too is that that if we're looking at whether it's you know, Facebook groups or Instagram, everything looks perfect. So we're either going into a, into nature for the purpose of the gram. The reason that I'm here is to put something cool on my Instagram, and I don't really care where I am. Or the other side of it is too, that I'm seeing all of these people doing these amazing things. I don't think I can do any of them. So I'm not going to do anything.
2: Interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, social media brings into play, and it does bring good things too, but just picking at some of the challenges that I've seen out there, what are your thoughts on social media and what do you see or what do you hear from people that you're talking to?
2: Yeah, I mean, you're pinpointing a a tension point that I also feel viscerally. Mm -hmm. You know, as a small business owner, I've got social media presence. Mm -hmm. My business is about slowing down your rhythms and spending time in the natural world. So get off the computer kind of stuff, you know, so like, where's that balance between connecting with my audience mm-hmm. and not being like a, a spam for them, you, you know, and I think, I think what going back to the reciprocal actions and how every little action adds up, I think social media, if we look at it as an ecosystem too,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and mm. we all check ourselves and our actions and we say, Hey, what are we putting out there? You know, and B what's our intention and, and C what are we responding to? Mm-hmm. You know, like if we just don't respond to stuff that's icky, it's going to, it's going to take it away, you know, from being the dominant thing. And we're going to, you know, social media is not going to go away. And I I do think there's some, some beautiful, amazing positives. And there's some Mm -hmm. very, very scary. It's like, we haven't evolved as quickly as social media has, and we just don't know how to deal with it. You Mm -hmm. know, and I think that those are, Um, but I think in terms of the natural world, I've also seen it play a really important role. You know, this trail is super muddy, um, from the rains last night, stay away. It's getting destroyed, you know, and, and I've seen like local ranger park rangers be able to put this stuff out there like that. And, Mm. you know, so I think if we just have our intention for what is it that we're doing and how often and like I said, this is a, a live and well tension for me. I'm I'm constantly adjusting that just as a business owner in this realm because it it is a new, it's a new frontier.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like when I started Wild yeah. Rhythms, there was no social media. I, I mean I don't even you know, like it was a whole new part to integrate. What the heck do I do with this thing, you know? Right. Yeah. So Probably I think we any, use, but it's use it positively and we just start saying mm-hmm. this is how it's gonna be. Mm-hmm.
1: It's an important thing to consider is what I like how you said that social media is in its own um, ecosystem. That's an interesting way to look at that. And then being conscious about how we're using it, because you're right, there are very positive ways to communicate different things that might be going on in in nature.
2: Yeah, and, and there's ways to to inspire people to see the beauty around them. And there's ways, mm. you know, like, because um, beauty is right outside our doors, no matter where we are. Mm-hmm. Literally, a, a weed growing up in a sidewalk is, is beautiful if you take the time to look at it, you know, and so and I've seen some of that in social media, I've actually, you know, found a photo that I've used in some blogs that are literally grass you know, growing up in a sidewalk, you know, and it's, it's, so I think if it allows us to start to see that, I think what we have to do is deal with the addictive qualities of it, Mm -hmm. check ourselves. And I, I mean, it's real. I, you know, I it's, I feel it in myself at times and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, I've Mm -hmm. got a little app on my computer that I can, I can turn on that will block all the social media so that I don't just find myself unconsciously over there while I'm trying to do something else. Oh wow. What app is that? It's called freedom. Uh, I think it's freedom.us. It's great. And when you go to the site, when you're on a block, it'll put up a nice little green and white butterfly. And it says you are free and you can set up, you know, like I set up a social media and a news and I, I called the little group of, of websites, time sinks. And I, so if I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to block my time sinks oh, for boy. three hours. And then you can set it for a certain amount of time, and then if you want to override that, you have to turn off your computer and start over. So you can't just go oh. in and override it. You have to be, you know. I and think, times I, think I
1: need to do some research here. <laughs>
2: it's, it's pretty awesome, and I, and I can feel it when I get close to the end. It's like two hours, and I set it for three. It's like, oh, I just want to go check my messages. You know, <laughs> or like what's happening in the news. You know, so I, I feel the truth of that, and I think we're all we're all in a place as beings on this earth where we are dealing with that as a new beast for sure. Very much. So very
1: much. So. And how do you feel that, do you see a difference? Well, there was a difference during COVID, but now that we're hopefully on the other side of COVID, what transitions
2: have you seen in people through this time? You know, as COVID started, I, I definitely, I think a lot of us saw a huge increase in interest in being outdoors, you know, Mm people living around trailheads i mean you can't park anywhere near a trailhead in boulder for the last two years you know (laughs) yeah and um and at the same time with that came a very clear obvious understanding that there was a that loving something to death is real you know Mm. people like oh i'm just gonna go climb this mountain you know, but I, I haven't, you know, I don't really know exactly how I'm supposed to do this to be really appropriate. So I think it it's, it's shown me as an educator that where some important gaps are, I think that the love of nature excitingly got ignited. Mm-hmm. You know, I've definitely seen more people out in the local parks here than I ever d- said before the pandemic. I also think it's an interesting thing that we're seeing as we're moving back into life. You know, what what are people going to do with that? I mean, there's, there's some real challenges going on for like, for example, in animal shelters right now, they're overflowing across the country because people got pandemic dogs mm. and now their lives are going back, you know, and to me, this is where we have to stop ourselves and say, okay, so what is, what does deep honest connection really mean? And, and how do we, how do we, um, how do we move forward, understanding our connection to the world around us in a way that is responsible and respectful and I think it starts with education and I think it starts with, with experience, you know, people mm. letting themselves learn some things, letting themselves understand how do you be on this trail? How do you do these things? Or what does it mean to adopt a dog? Mm. You know, like really, 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 what does that mean? And how is that part of wild nature connection? Cause I think it is a hundred percent you know um, in my mind anyway <laughs> it may not oh, make sense to everybody is. listening but you mm-hmm. know to me there's no difference it's about us as humans connecting with the life around us and not centering ourselves as as primary in all cases mm. um, and that really speaks to the importance of your work in creating that
1: deep honest connection
2: you know and and I think that it's a lot of work. A lot of people are doing various forms of this work. I think it can, it doesn't have to just be nature workshops like I do. Mm-hmm. It can be anybody's work. You know, it doesn't matter what somebody's doing. It, the natural world is the backdrop. It is the front drop. It's the center drop. You know, I mean, um, it's it's just a, it's an awareness piece, and it's just us saying, all right, we're part of it. We're all connected. The pandemic definitely showed us that. And, you know, I think we've, we've got, um, a really impressive opportunity right now to say, okay, we've got the reality of where what we've got here. What do we do moving forward individually and collectively? And I, I really do think those deep connections are, you know, we've got it. We've got to have the relationships and the love underneath our actions.
1: And so in order to, to work on that
2: process or in order to make a difference for, um, how do people find you? Um, I've got a website, um, wild-rhythms.com. I've also got how everybody laugh now. I've got a Facebook group <laughs> called <laughs> sacred connection, earth animals spirit. And, uh, I'm always happy to chat. So people are welcome to reach out. Um, I'm happy to connect with people. I just think it's, it's, are important conversations regardless really of whether are. or not people are working together it's just we need to inspire each other and and move forward collectively mm-hmm. yeah
1: they are and and we'll make sure that your um contact information is in the show notes as well awesome so deb i want to thank you i know that we could probably talk so much about there's so many pieces that we didn't delve into because there could even be a part 2 here there's so much to work with but i want to thank you very much for your time today and and sharing your wisdom and I look forward to further conversations.
2: Oh, and I'm honored to have the invitation and, and I really enjoyed it as well and happy to chat anytime. So thank you for doing this really beautiful podcast work as well. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening today. Today's show is sponsored by my Seaside
1: Solutions, my financial services company. As a business owner, It's easy to be pulled in many different directions and often taking care of yourself plummets to the bottom of the list. For me, I find myself outside to reground. My time outdoors helps me manage my day more effectively and be more present for my clients. Through this, Discover Rising Tides was born. At Seaside Solutions, we truly believe that education is the foundation of financial wellness. Our primary focus is to provide guidance that is designed to help you achieve your long-term financial goals and visions. Working with a plan allows space for doing more things that you love, like being outside to make the inside better. If I can help you create or realign your plan, or if you would like to be added to my weekly newsletter, please let me know. This week's topic was five ways to set more achievable goals. Your referral means the big, beautiful world to me. And if I can help, please let me know. And thank you so much for listening and see you next time.